You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today I'm going to talk about a specific topic, and I'm going to talk about how we are marked by the blood. We are marked by the blood, specifically marked by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, 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 the blood of Jesus is the most powerful thing <laughs> in all of the universe. It is, it is uh, something that is still alive today. It's something that's still speaking today on our behalf. It's something that's still going to work today on our behalf. And so today I want to talk about the importance of acknowledging and receiving and knowing the fact that you are, as a believer, you are marked by the blood of Jesus. In fact, I'm going to hop right into it. Point number one is this. We are cleansed and we're marked by the blood of Jesus. We're going to get right into it today. We are cleansed and, and marked by the blood. So I'm going to recap both of these before I talk about specifically how we're marked by the blood. But we are cleansed and we are marked by the blood of Jesus. Now, these are spiritual things that happen when we submit to the lordship of Jesus. These are spiritual things that take place. This is not something we see in the physical. It's something that happens in the spiritual realm. In the blood of Jesus, it still speaks today. It's still at work today. And when we acknowledge these two things, that we are cleansed and we are marked by the blood of Jesus, we should live our lives in a very different way. It should change how I approach my day every single day. First thing is this, is that we're cleansed. We're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. First John 1, 7 says it this way, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He's, he's reminding us that, look, we are called to live in a unique way. We're called to live in a cleansed way. We're called to live in a way that we are free from our past so that we can do everything that God's called us to do. First Peter 1, verse 18 says this, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Here's what he's showing us. There was a ransom that needed to be paid because we were enslaved to something. That's why you pay a ransom. You're, you're paying a ransom because someone is trapped, captured, enslaved. And so there was a ransom that was paid uh, because we were enslaved to our sin, to our past life. The precious blood of Jesus is sufficient enough to free us from every bondage the enemy would try to entrap us with. Let us never overlook the power of the blood of Jesus. Let us never become comfortable with the power behind the precious, holy, living blood of Jesus. It is sufficient to overcome and to free us from every bondage the enemy would try to entrap us with. The blood of Jesus is the most powerful and miraculous substance in all of history. And here's the best news. We have access to it today. You and me have access to it today. If we approach God's word, see how we can access it and how we can apply it and that's what I want to talk about today. So cleansing is the first thing. Deliverance through the cleansing power of the blood of lamb is the beginning. It's just the beginning. We are also marked by the blood of the lamb for this life, for what God has called us to do. And so that's the second thing we want to talk about. How are we marked by the blood of Jesus? We're spiritually marked. In, in the Old Testament, we see where the priests were ordained and they were anointed for ministry. 
for their priestly duties. And so in Leviticus, here's what we see. We see Moses, he is ordaining the priest. And here's where we get a picture as to the, the power of being anointed and marked by the blood of Jesus. In Leviticus 8, verse 22, it says this, Then Moses presented the other ram, which was the ram of ordination. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the ram's head, and Moses slaughtered it. Then Moses took some of its blood, and he applied it to the lobe of Aaron's right ear, the thumb of his right hand, and the big toe of his right foot. Let's stop here for a second. This can be one of those moments where you read God's word, and you're just like, what am I supposed to do with this, right? You ever been there before? Mostly in the Old Testament, you're reading, and you're just like, that's pretty weird. I don't understand that, right? Like, that's not our culture. I don't know what to do here with, uh, with the, the ear and the thumb and the toe. Why is that significant? But here, I'm going to break it down for us. Moses, he takes Aaron and his sons, and he's ordaining them as priests. And so here's what we have to understand. In the Old Testament, we see principles and things that happen that are foreshadowing into the New Testament. Again, I talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago, but foreshadowing, what does that really mean? It means that, imagine that there's a bright light at the end of this really long hallway in our building, right? There's a bright light coming at us. And if someone were to walk in front of that bright light, what is going to hit us first? The shadow. If Jesus was walking towards us and there was a bright light behind him, his shadow is going to encounter us first. What does the shadow look like? It looks just like him, but is his shadow him? No. It's not. His shadow has the same shape, has the same mannerisms. It does whatever he is going to do and does. However, the shadow comes first. Eventually, he continues to walk, and we encounter Jesus. That is the picture of the bright light is our Heavenly Father. Who is, there's no shadow or changing or darkness in him. He is light. From him, he sent Jesus, his Son, the foreshadowing of the Old Testament, that's the shadow that we encounter first, that we encounter in the first half of our Bible. And then finally, Jesus shows up and he says, you don't need to be in love with the shadow anymore. I am the living God. I, I only do what God sent me and told me and tells me to do. I am the living God. Now encounter and be with me. And so the Old Testament is foreshadowing the New Testament. And so if we see this happen, we can do a little bit of a study and we can see, okay, what does this mean for us? Well, in 1 Peter 2, 9, it says this, speaking about us, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So here's what's interesting. When you become a believer, when you go under the lordship of Jesus, we are spiritually a part of a royal priesthood in the kingdom of God, and we are spiritually grafted into the family of Israel. We are grafted into, we have the honor of being grafted into, but we are a part of this royal priesthood, spiritually, obviously not in the, in the natural realm, but spiritually we are a part of this. And so now when we look back at the Old Testament and we see how the priests were ordained and what that meant for them, we can say, okay, how does that apply to me being a part of this royal priesthood, a chosen generation here in the New Testament. And so the action of marking and anointing the priests with the blood, it applies to us today. It applies to us today. And so here's what we're, we're going to dive into. We have to acknowledge first, the, first and foremost, the blood of Jesus has an internal application as well as an external application. Most of the time we focus on the internal application, which to be honest is the most important. That is the forgiveness of sins, the cleansing from unrighteousness so that I can walk with Jesus, so that I can have eternal life and be with him forever someday in heaven. We often neglect the external application 
And so when you enter into covenant with God through the Jesus blood, two things happen. We're cleansed on the inside, but we are marked externally on the outside in the spiritual realm. We are marked our ear, our thumb, and our toe. This external marking, I believe, is a spiritual marking that the angels can see as well as the devil and all of his demons can see as well. We can't see it in the natural, but I believe it's a spiritual marking that our enemy can see as well as the angels. Here's why I say that. This is a reflection of covenant. And in the Old Testament, when two humans would go into covenant, oftentimes they would cut their hand, which is what covenant means, to cut. They would cut their hand. They would mix their blood together, but they would, their hand would leave a scar or part of their body would have a scar on it from making this covenant. Here's why that's important. They would then go throughout their life, and as they're going throughout their life, they would have that mark on their hand. And so as they encounter new people, as they encounter new tribes, as they encounter uh, people that would seek to wipe them off the face of the earth, what they could do is they, would, they could show that enemy, I have a mark on my hand from a covenant. And you need to know that if you mess with me, you are also going to have to mess with the people that I am in covenant with. And so this is why I believe, because this is covenant verbiage, I also believe that this is what happens in the spiritual realm whenever we choose to walk in what God's designed us to do, that we have this external spiritual marking on our ear, our hand, or our thumb, and our toe. In the sense of the spiritual enemy, our spiritual enemy knows, if I mess with them, I also have to mess with the one that they're in covenant with. Now this is why Jesus said, or his word says, to put on the armor of God. Because he says what? We are in a spiritual war. We are facing spiritual enemies. And in doing so, we have to make sure that though when we go to battle, we don't go in our own strength. We go in the power of his might. So he is backing us everywhere that we go. This is a spiritual marking that we can't see, but I wholeheartedly believe that the angels and the demons can see in the spiritual realm. So let's talk about it. The first one is this. Our ear is marked for hearing. This one seems pretty obvious. Our ear is marked for hearing. In the Old Testament, the priests were required to hear the word of God, hear God's word, and walk in obedience to it. That was their job. They had to hear it, and they had to walk in obedience to it. And Jesus, many times throughout his ministry, what did he say? For those that have ears, anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. His desire for you, his desire for you is to hear his voice one way or the other. We're going to talk about a few different ways that you can. But here's what Jesus said in John 10, 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God desires us to hear his word and to understand his word so that our faith can be built. In John 8, 47, it says, he who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. As a believer, you can hear from God a few different ways. Number one is through his word. One, one quote, I don't know who said it, it's this famous quote, but don't say that God is silent if your Bible is closed. Don't say God's silent if your Bible is closed. He wants to speak to you through his word first and foremost, but he also wants to speak to you spirit to spirit in your heart. He wants to give you discernment. This will give you the general will of God for your life, but he wants to speak to you spirit to spirit to give you the specific will of God for your life, right? This is, should I rob that bank or not? No, you shouldn't, right? This is the, the personal will of God. The specific will of God is, should I take that job or not? 
Should I marry that person or not? I can't find my spouse's name in here and says, oh, you should marry this person. That's not going to be in here, but God will speak that to you in here. He's going to give you a peace and a knowing and an understanding in your heart, spirit to spirit. His desire is for you to hear him. And this comes at an early age. There's no junior Holy Spirit. So for all the elementary kids in the room, all the, all the, all the dudes, all the elementary, elementary dudes in the room, you can hear from God. You can hear from God. When you make Jesus the Lord of life, you can hear from him. First Samuel 3.10 shows us the story of Samuel when he's helping Eli in the tabernacle, and Eli teaches him how to hear God. And the Lord called, as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. This is the prayer we pray every Sunday. This is where we get it from. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What are we doing? We're turning our ear to God. We're tuning our ear to God and say, Lord, we're prepared to receive. And what I've found oftentimes in life is that God is speaking more than we give him credit for. We live our life in such a way where we're so busy and our schedules are so packed that he's speaking to us, but we just continually miss it because we're not turning our ear to God and slowing down enough to hear from him. But I have to purposefully incline my ear to hear. And in doing so, I can hear from him. But the primary way he's going to speak to you is through his word. So God wants to anoint your ear, the blood of Jesus, so that you can hear his voice and the voice of a stranger you will not follow. Point, the next point is this. Our thumb is marked for serving. Our thumb is marked for serving. When I understand that being marked by the blood of Jesus is an anointing, I am anointed. My ear is anointed to hear God's voice. Why? Because scripture shows us what? If you belong to God, you can hear his words. I have the honor of having my ears anointed to hear God's voice. My hands are marked. My thumb is marked for serving. So now I understand every day, whatever I put my hands to, these are anointed hands. Whatever I put my hands to can prosper. That's why we see that verbiage time and time again in scripture. Whatever you put your hands to, it will prosper. Colossians 3 verse 23 says this, work willingly at whatever you do. Everyone say whatever. Whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. At whatever you do, how can I do that? When I know that my hands are anointed in the spiritual realm by the blood of Jesus, I know that I can now do anything to his glory and do anything working passionately unto him. And so you may be at work and you can lead a project working unto the Lord. You may be at home changing diapers, but guess what? You can change diapers unto the Lord. You may be the grunt at work who just got hired on. You got to do all the worst jobs, right? And everyone seems to be overlooking you. But guess what? You can pull trash and you can do that project and you can serve people and you can help your team unto the Lord, whatever you do. doesn't matter what, whatever you do. You can be doing laundry. Guess what? Unto the Lord. I think so many times uh, stay-at-home moms, get, they can get, feel guilty for being a stay-at-home mom. But let's be really transparent here. Motherhood is the closest thing to the gospel that we see on this planet. They sacrifice so much for their kids. And so uh, hear me in this, no matter what you're doing, if you don't, sit, don't ever say you're just a stay-at-home mom, you have the opportunity to raise up the next generation, which is the future of the church. If we want to see this world turn around, our culture turn around, it starts in our homes, y'all. And moms play a huge part in that. And so guess what? Moms, no matter what you're doing, you may be elbow deep and throw up and poop, but guess what? You can work unto the Lord. Amen, somebody? Uh, let's continue. Matthew 25, verse 40, it says this. I tell you the truth. 
When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Jesus shows us that how we treat one another, it reveals how we are actually treating him. In Matthew 25 there, he gives this example of uh, somebody being sick, somebody being hungry, and he said, you didn't feed them, you didn't help them, and he says, it was me. And this group comes back and they say, well, Lord, if we would have saw that you were hungry, we would have helped you. If we would have saw that you were in need, we would have helped you. And he said, because you didn't do it to the people that were in need, you didn't do it to me. And so this is a dangerous thing because we have to acknowledge the fact now that, okay, if I am bitter towards someone, unforgiving towards someone, a jerk towards someone, that is how I am treating my Savior. If you did it to one of the least of these, you were doing it to me. How am I treating the people around me when I have anointed hands by the blood of Jesus? Jesus reveals here that an outward, there's an outward evidence that demonstrates righteousness or unrighteousness. There's an outward evidence of righteousness or unrighteousness. This is why he says you will know a tree by its fruit. I can know the condition of someone's heart by how they talk, how they act at work, how they treat people, specifically how they treat people they really don't like or get along with, right? The people that annoy them. I can find out the condition of their heart based on how they treat those people. You will know a tree by its fruit, How I live my life then should be abundantly clear that I am a servant of the living God. What an honor. You see, this isn't a heavy thing. This is an honor thing. God has entrusted us. He said, I am going to take my precious, holy, living blood. I'm going to anoint your ears so that you can hear my voice every single day as you go through this life. I'm going to anoint your hands so that everything you put your hand to when you dedicate it to me, work is unto me, no matter what you're doing, big or small, that it will prosper and bring me glory. That's what he's asking us to do. And it's such an honor. Christians should be then the hardest working, most reliable people in the workplace. We should be the most hardworking, the most reliable people in the workplace. Why? I'm doing everything as unto the Lord. While I'm on trash duty today, guess what? I can pull the trash with the best of them because I'm serving as unto the Lord, right? I'm cleaning toilets today. Guess what? I can scrub these toilets as unto the Lord. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm leading this project. Great. I can lead this project as unto the Lord and watch how God gets glory through all of it. But a crucial thing when it comes to serving, a crucial thing for the priests was that they had to operate in holiness. They had to operate in holiness and in righteousness. And so they had to do things because they were anointed by God. They had to do things that were blameless, that were above reproach. And they did it by obeying God and his word. In Deuteronomy 30, verses 8, it says this. It says, Then you will again obey the Lord and keep all his commands that I am giving you today. The Lord your God will then make you successful In everything you do, he will give you many children and numerous livestock, and he will cause your fields to produce abundant harvests. For the Lord will again delight in being good to you as he was to your ancestors. What's he showing us? When we choose to be devoted, that every day in everything that we do, we are committed to working as unto the Lord in obedience to his word, which is leading us to a holy life. Everything I put my hands to, it will prosper. My life will have favor poured out on it. I will have blessing on my life. That's not my motivation, but God says that's a guarantee. It's not my motivation just so I can be more blessed. My motivation is to do what God's ordained me and anointed me to do as a believer. But I can guarantee and I can bet that the Lord is going to take care of every need that I have and I will have favor everywhere 
that I look. So when I do everything as though I'm working to the Lord, my work will be blessed. When I approach everything with righteousness and doing my best to live holy as he is holy, everything I put my hand to, it will prosper. So serving means that I must walk in righteousness and holiness. I can't expect God. I can't expect God to bless what I put my hand to if I am knowingly, willingly living in sin. And that's what I think many times the modern church would like to convince us of. It's all covered by grace, brother. Grace, the grace of God is greater than we could ever imagine, than we can even wrap our mind around, absolutely. However, when I remember and I acknowledge the fact that my hands are anointed every day by the blood of Jesus, the most powerful thing ever, I can now do everything with him in mind. Everything I put my hand to, whether it's a hammer on a job site or it's a computer in the office or whether it's a diaper, whatever it is, everything I put my hand to, Lord, I thank you that these are anointed hands. I thank you that today you use my hands. You use myself to do what you've called me to do. And Lord, I, I dedicate everything that I do to you today. And we will watch how God will show up in our life. The last one is this. Our toe is marked for going. Our toe is marked for going. <clears throat> God has not called us to live static, inactive lives. In fact, static, complacent, casual Christianity is sinful and James calls it worthless. If I'm doing nothing with my faith, if I'm just sitting around waiting for God to do something and I'm not doing my part, it, it, James says it's worthless. Jesus was very clear with the New Testament church with his disciples when in his command to go, to go and to be active. He said in Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, now, just, hey, just hang out, put on a good show and hope that people come to you. That's not what he said. He said, go. That means every day. That means every day I'm going. Doesn't mean I have to be on the mission field every single day. Guess what? I can... <laughs> Again, for you stay-at-home moms, guess what? Your mission field where you can go and make disciples is your kids and your house. Those are the most important disciples you're ever going to make. Dads too. Those are the most important disciples you're ever going to make. That's your legacy. Every day I can go and I can make disciples. He also said this in Matthew 10, verse 7. He said, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Such interesting verbiage here because when he says, say that, preach that, show that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, this gives us insight into the spiritual realm. What does that mean? Why are we saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand? I heard one pastor explain it this way. He said, an astronaut can survive in space because he wears a suit that carries the atmosphere of earth. How can he survive in space? Because he's carrying a suit that has the atmosphere of earth. He has the oxygen he needs. It allows his body to work the way it's designed to work. And guess what? So it is with the blood of Jesus. When you are marked by the blood of Jesus, you carry heaven's atmosphere with you. So why did Jesus say, tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand? What does that mean? He said, we are carriers of the kingdom of heaven. We have the opportunity to carry the kingdom with us. It's at hand because we're here. Because Jesus ordained us to be here as believers. And now we can do what he's called us to do, which is what? What he would do. I can heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely I've received. Now it's my job to freely give. 
I get to carry the kingdom of God. And guess what? I'm going to show you how you can carry it as well. It is the atmosphere of heaven that I carry with me as I go. Not as I sit on the couch and hope that, uh, you know, my neighbor finds Jesus. No, am I representing Jesus? Am I going with purpose every single day? Is my, if I realize that my toe is marked for going, my feet are anointed by the blood of Jesus. Now, everywhere that I walk, I can walk into the darkest situations. And I know, Lord, I thank you. I carry your heavenly atmosphere with me. There's times where as a pastor, I've had to go into very difficult situations in the hospital and visit people. And as I pull into the, the, the hospital parking lot, there's been so many times where basically every time where I just say, Lord, I cannot do this without you. I don't have the words. I don't have the power. I don't have the wisdom. What am I supposed to even do here? And I stop though and I pray and I say, Lord, I thank you that you've anointed me. You've anointed my feet. You've anointed my hands. You've anointed my ear. And I thank you, Lord, that as I step in here, even though it may be a dark situation, I carry the atmosphere of heaven with me. Now I can walk with confidence and I say, I can walk into the darkest situation. My flesh will want to fear, but my spirit says, I have the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm here not in my power, but in his power. And I'm going in his might. And now... I can pray with confidence and now I can pray with faith and now I can have hope in a hopeless situation, not in my own ability, but because I acknowledge the fact that my feet are anointed and now I can go and like an astronaut in space can survive. Guess what? I can survive in a dark situation, not because of me, but because of the blood of Jesus who has anointed me to go and I can be on mission wherever I go and whatever I face. The other side of going is responding to the most difficult situations in your life. What the enemy will want to do is he will want something traumatic to happen to you. And in doing so, what he wants to do is he wants to kick you into this pit of trauma. And he wants to keep you there. And as soon as you try to hard to, to, to fight your way and climb your way out of that pit, he wants to kick you back down. And everything in you, if you've been through something traumatic, everything in you will say, I would rather just stay here because I don't have the energy to climb out of this pit. And it's a fight to get out of the pit. But scripture says we're not called to stay there. In Philippians 3, verse 13, I'll, I'll close with this. It says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I'm gonna forget, not that I just don't ever think about it or learn from it or anything like that. No, God can use the most hurtful situations, the most devastating situations, but I'm not focused on that because if I focus on the past, I will stay there constantly. This is why you must also surround yourself with faith-filled people because there will be people and good Christians in your life who they are stuck and are happy to stay in the pit of trauma and they wanna drag you down there with them and keep you there. They love it there. It's like a, it's like a there's that old saying and I'm gonna, I'm gonna botch it, but like, uh, I forget how it goes, but it's like when you wrestle a pig and, and uh, you're wrestling this pig, oh man, I'm really messing this up, I'm so sorry. Let me see if I can figure it out. You're wrestling this pig, and at the end of it, when you're done wrestling them, you realize that you're muddy, and they were having the time of their life. Does that make sense? 
Seemed like it did. It's Oklahoma. It probably makes sense. <laughs> it's not how I wanted to land the plane here. But anyway, there's some people in your life that are like that, though. They love it in the pit. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not called to stay there. You're not, you may get knocked down there. And it may take a year, a year and a half, two years to get out of the pit. But our, our job is to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you to face tomorrow. I'm going to trust you that I'm going to keep going. And whenever you've, whatever you've been through in the past, whatever last week held, however difficult, you're marked by the blood of Jesus. You're marked to continue on, to press on, to move forward, and to not stop now. And so don't let devastating events keep you in that pit of trauma. This is why Psalm 23, it says that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Through it. Is it going to happen? Yeah, there's going to be some dark times. But what, where, where, am I, where am I called to? To camp in it or to go through it? No, he walks with me through it. But I have to be committed to keep walking, to keep going. In the previous years, in the past several years, Leslie and I, man, we've been through some very difficult things, some very difficult things. And there's been moments and there's been times where it's like, Lord, I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy to talk to anybody today. I don't have the energy to get out of bed. I, I am so heartbroken. I'm devastated. I'm just, I'm wore out and I don't, I just want to stay here. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to do anything. I don't have the energy to take that phone call. I don't have the energy to lead that meeting. I don't have the energy to finish that project. I got nothing in the tank. But it's in those moments where you have to have the reminder to say, Lord, today's tough, but I know that you've anointed my feet to go and not to stay. And so I'm gonna face today, not in my strength, but in yours. Not my power, but in yours. And you say, Lord, help me. And it doesn't always happen overnight. But I'll promise you this, when you choose to keep moving forward, one day you will wake up and you'll say, I'm not sad anymore. I got energy today. I got life today. Lord, I got the joy of the Lord today. And it doesn't always happen. Sometimes there's an immediate release, but sometimes it takes the faith to take a step of today. And then tomorrow, I'm gonna get my butt out of bed and I'm gonna take a step tomorrow. And the day after that, Lord, I'm going to take a step today. And in doing so, I work myself with the power of the Holy Spirit through the valley of the shadow of death. And guess what? I experience closeness with God in the middle of it, but life and life abundantly on the other side of it. And there's hope and there's peace and there's joy. But there is something to be said in a culture that says we need it now. And if it doesn't happen now, it's not worth it. It's not God's will. And it's just, oh, well, I'll do something else. In a culture that says now, there's something to be said about a group of people and a believer who will say, Lord, I've been going for seven years. I've been going for 10 years. I've been believing and I haven't seen it yet, but I'll still trust you today. And I will still walk today. And I will still step today. I will not stop here because I know you have life for me there. There's something to be said and there's a reward for that. So my heart today is that you would, you would be reminded that the blood of Jesus is a powerful thing. It cleanses us internally, but it marks us externally. And Ron, Reinhard Bonnke, he said it this way. He said, people always ask him, oh, 
if Jesus is real, if the Bible's real, why, if God's real, why is there so much evil in this world? Why does he allow all these bad things to happen? Why does he allow people to die and wars and all these things? Why does he allow this to take place? And his response is he said, just because soap exists doesn't mean that there aren't dirty people in this world. You ever known somebody who's just, they kind of stink, right? They just need to take a shower, right? Especially in America, like we got soap for days, right? Like you just need a little bit of soap. Just because soap exists doesn't mean that there's not dirty people. It's not how it works. Soap must be applied. And that's the difference. It's the same with the blood of Jesus. Every day I have to choose to reach out and apply it to my life by reminding myself, Lord, I thank you. When I wake up and when I'm spending time in his word, I say, Lord, I thank you that I am cleansed by your blood. Help me walk in holiness today. Help me walk in purity today as you are holy, Lord. Help me walk in righteousness today. I thank you that you've cleansed me. Help me walk in freedom today from my past sins. Lord, I thank you for it. What am I doing? I'm applying it to my life. I remind myself, Lord, I thank you that my ear is marked for hearing. I hear your voice, the voice of a stranger I do not follow. Lord, I thank you that my thumb is marked for serving. It's marked for worshiping and, and everything that I do, Lord. I will do it unto you. I will do what you've called me to do because I have anointed hands by the precious blood of Jesus. Let it not go to waste, but let it go to your glory. When I acknowledge the fact that my toe is marked for going, I can, I can have some motivation to reach the lost and to press on through hardships and to get through the valley of the shadow of death. Every day, hopefully you do this, but every day you take a bath or a shower, right? Hopefully, don't be honest, don't tell me if you don't. But every day, we need to be just as committed to spiritually apply the blood of Jesus to our lives. It's sufficient, it gives me perspective, because now I understand, Lord, today could be a dark day. Today could be a devastating day. Today, I could face good things, I could face bad things, but no matter what, I'm gonna hear your, your voice, Lord. My hands are anointed, and you're gonna bless what I work and give to you. And Lord, no matter what situation I walk into, my feet are anointed by the blood of Jesus. No matter how dark, no matter how uncertain, I carry the atmosphere of heaven with me. And I thank you for giving me the ability to do what you've asked me to do. Perspective. Let's be a people that acknowledge the fact that the blood of Jesus is still alive, it's still active, it's still working internally, and externally as well, as we represent Jesus to this lost and dying world around us. Let me pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Jesus, we thank you for your precious blood that was shed for us. Lord, I thank you that your sacrifice is sufficient. It's sufficient to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to forgive our sins, and to put us in a right standing with you. And Lord, I thank you that it doesn't stop there. It's more than sufficient. It goes above and beyond anything we could ask, think, or imagine, because now you've anointed us as a royal priesthood to go and to hear your voice every day as we study your word, to go and to put our hands, our anointed hands, to work to bring glory to you. And I thank you that we are called to go, and everywhere that we go, no matter if it's holy ground or unholy ground, as we go and we live our life, Lord, I thank you that you are there and you are backing us and your Holy Spirit is helping us in every situation to bring you glory and to bring people into your kingdom. And Lord, I pray for anyone right now that is going through a dark time. They feel like they're in the pit of trauma. They feel like they're in the pit where they can't get out of and they've been trying and trying and trying. But Lord, I thank you that today you give them the faith to keep moving forward. 
remind them, Lord, that you have called them to go forward. Help them surround themselves with people that will help pull them out, set them back where you want them to go and walk with them through this life. Lord, I thank you that you have not abandoned us, you have not left us alone, but you're with us, you are for us and not against us. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.